0: you're listening to an m pavilion podcast conversations about design and the world we live in for more visit our archive at mpavilion.org and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts
1: Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Leila Guruiwi, and I am here uh, MCing at the M Pavilion uh, on behalf of Agency. And on behalf of Agency and myself as a proud young woman of the Gulpo clan originally from North East Arnhem Land, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands that we are on today the Wurundjeri and the Boon of the Kulin Nation. I would like to pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and also extend that respect to all other Aboriginal people that are here today as well. Oh, it's a bit windy now, so I'm trying to get my notes straight. Welcome to the M Pavilion, and thank you for joining us for a talk in a series of Untold Talks, presented by Agency Projects, held across the weekend here at M Pavilion. Untold Talks are an ongoing series of talks by inspiring Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people from diverse creative fields, bringing people together to talk and listen and to share their intangible capital, knowledge, experience, histories, cultures and ideas. We are lucky to be joined by two of the most exciting new faces in contemporary art who are all currently showing at the 2022 Melbourne Art happening right now at the Melbourne Convention and Events Centre. Joining us here at M Pavilion is Bachelor and Burmese artist Mia Bo, Arunda artist Thea Anamara Perkins and these two Remarkable artists all work in different styles, mediums, and methods, but through their contemporary practice, they are all storytellers exploring what it means to be First Nations in contemporary Australia, tackling historical inquiry and reclaiming their stories through their art. So now I'll hand over to Susie Anderson, Wagaya. That's right, Wagaya and Wamba Wamba woman, poet and writer, who will join these incredible artists in a conversation about reclamation, restoration, and storytelling.
2: Thank you, Layla. Welcome, everybody. I'd also like to acknowledge that we're meeting on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. And as a Wagaya, Wamba Wamba woman from Western Victoria, where uh, our water sources are all lakes, um, inland seas. Uh, it's such a pleasure to be on this beautiful country, salt water and river flowing through them. Um, I'm, I'm so stoked to be here with Thea and Mia. I think this is going to be a really great conversation. Um, as As Layla said, two diverse practices, but really um, the most exciting um, first First Nations creatives who are working today. So hopefully you've been over to the art fair to see their works. Um, but today we're going to have a bit of a chat about those themes and dig into it. So I'll give them a proper introduction. Mia, over here to my far left. Mia Bo is a painter from Brisbane with Bachala and Burmese ancestry. The inheritance and disinheritance of both these cultures focus her work. Mia's paintings respond sometimes obliquely to empire's deliberate violent interferences with the cultural heritages of Burma and Kigari, Fraser Island. Mia's art practice records and recovers Indigenous histories which Australia seeks to deny. This practice of recovery is urgent in contemporary Australia. The patient work of tracing historical trauma and violence can, now, can open new perspectives on the reasons for Aboriginal Australians' present suffering. Please make Mia feel very welcome. It's great to clap, just we're going to do a lot of that today. It Makes everyone feel good. Um, Thea Anamara Perkins is an Arunda and Kalkadoon artist whose practice incorporates portraiture and landscape to depict authentic representations of First Nations peoples and country. With a delicate hand, Thea answers heavy questions about what it means to be Indigenous in contemporary Australia and how Aboriginal people can and should be portrayed. Thea's Arunda name, Anamara, describes a river and a dreaming that runs north of Mpantwe, Alice Springs, the place that keeps calling her back and has been the wellspring of art and activism for her family, and by extension, the nation. Perkins continues her family's commitment to what she calls strong and ready communication and is part of an extraordinary dynasty of First Nations activists and creatives. Thea, please make her feel very welcome. We're so pleased to have her down from Sydney. And as a little, um, this isn't about me, but (laughs) I am, my name is Susie. Um, I work in the creative industries. Um, I'm a writer, poet, currently working for museums and galleries at Melbourne M- University, including Science Gallery and the Buxton, Buxton Contemporary just across the way over there. Um, to open up this afternoon's discussion, I wanted to throw to both of you um, just to kind of, as an icebreaker, what, what are you thinking about at the moment in regards to your creative practice? What's on your mind?
0: I can start. Um, <clears throat> well, my most recent exhibition looked um, at the Melbourne Art Fair. was the first time I've sort of made work about my Burmese heritage because um, I've been thinking a lot about <clears throat> being nostalgic for these two homelands, Burma and Gari, um, that I didn't grow up on but I've got this familial connection to. So I guess my work at the moment sort of sits between um, surrealism and maybe social realism because I, 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 I'm kind of making up a way, a reality that doesn't exist for me, which is this, um, yeah, well, like I have such a big desire to have a connection to these homelands, but I don't, so I'm trying to work that out and process that in my paintings. And yeah, I think that's something that I'm gonna continue working on for a while until I can go visit Burma. I've only been there once, but it's um, not super safe to visit at the moment. And yeah, I definitely wanna try and make more trips back to Gari when I can.
2: Yeah, that's um, definitely stuff I wanna talk about today, particularly the nostalgia and the longing and loss that are kind of encompassed by that term what about you? Um,
3: I guess um, my work is I'm also, yeah, I guess I have that feeling too, that longing and that um, desire to um, deepen connection and um, and I think art's been a really, is a beautiful pathway and process. Um, I'm also really interested in um, representation, so, and at the moment, um, I'm really interested in, like, the Western figurative tradition and, like, all of that connotation um, in terms of representation and its very kind of colonial history, but then kind of subverting that and infusing it with my own, my own um, ideas and um, the way I view these themes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, the topics I want to cover today are reclamation, restoration and storytelling, so I think we're in a good place with these two to sort of cover those. But let's start um, on that that last notion that you mentioned, Thea, the colonial gaze and reframing it. So wh- what does reclamation mean to you? Reclamation, I think, um, is a
3: really kind of fluid and ongoing thing. I don't think it can have connotations of being quite a um you know a final thing but i think that it's this process that is happening in so many different forms and fields um and it's about um i guess um yeah I guess it's what you know being getting your kind of um yeah getting your in like I would't the word maybe be inheritance kind of thing, but it's like um, being connected back to um, you know what yeah I guess like returning to place and yeah that like yeah what I guess it is about in like being returned to your inheritance and stuff like
2: that, yeah. Yeah, that was a very broad one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we can um, get a bit more granular with that and as it relates to your practice through the conversation. Um, but Mia, I was thinking about your work and reading in preparation for today. Um, you would, you talked about the 2021 exhibition you had um, means paradise in Bachola and you described it as revisionist history, which seems quite specifically um, related to that reclamation. Can you share a bit about
0: that? Well, I don't really know if I have an, <clears throat> an answer to your question. What does reclamation mean to me? Because I don't really think I'm, well, personally reclaiming, because that's what colonisation did. It took it from me before I could even get it. So... It's sort of more of a... <laughs> um But, yeah, with my exhibition, Gari means paradise and Butchella, Um It was a series of paintings where... I, it sort of was... Um, ...sparked by the bushfires that happened there at the end of 2020 that burnt almost half the island. Um, and, you know, if cultural burning was still a thing that wouldn't have happened to that degree. And um, in my paintings, I included figures um, from Aboriginal and uh, white Australian history that had connections to the island. So I painted a lot of um, Sidney Nolan, the artist, and he because he spent time on Gari, um, and he painted the story of Eliza Fraser, who... Um, The island was named Fraser Island up until like, I think only like six months ago or something like that. She didn't spend much time there, but she was on a shipwreck um, and landed on Gari. And she, when she got rescued, um, she had all these stories about how the Butchler people treated her like savages and sort of made up all these tales and sold her stories around London, but it sort of came out from other um, convicts with her on the shipwreck um, that they didn't treat her poorly, they just made her work. (laughs) And, um, you know, they fed her and they, you know, helped her protect her from the sun and um, she survived like a month there because of them. So um, I wanted to, you know, reveal that you know storytelling and names of places have a big effect on sort of treatment of Aboriginal people. Um, and yeah, who else did I include? I also painted a um, a lot about my an ancestor, Wanamata, mother, Jack Noble, who was taken from Gari when he was a teenager, um, and was a trooper in the Queensland Native Police. And so and that's a history that most, I don't think many Australians know about, the native police forces around Australia. But um, in the 1900s, massacred tens and thousands of people in every state of Australia. So, yeah, I've just kind of, I'm, I, I've only learned about that history in the last few years as well. So, um, I'm just as shocked as everyone else. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and that kind of history is one of the reasons why I'm moving away from saying, oh, they're such a trooper, or what a trooper. So I'm just phasing that one gradually out because it's a little darker than at first glance. Um, But I think that idea of clemation, Thea, is really resonant with the portrait work that you've done and kind of um, reframing the dominant narratives um, which you've done through the... uh, Tanganjira, close, the portrait series that um, was the first work I saw of yours at Art Gallery South Australia. Can you share a little bit about that portrait work and the clemation I'm now taking Mia's term on, because I think it's great, um, that was part of that series?
3: Yeah, so um, over the last few years, um, I've been working with Tanganjira, and it's kind of been part of me going back to Alice Springs on Bondwa and connecting there. Um, and yeah, I guess this idea of taking charge of representation um, really informed these works because. I was kind of thinking about the idea that you know normally these portraits they or historically they were about you know painting elites and uh, or like um, you know religious iconography so it's this idea of who gets painted and why they get painted um, and the idea too that you can just kind of fundamentally shift an artwork if but you know by being an Aboriginal woman painting Aboriginal women um, and that idea really um, Interested me, and especially, and it was also spending time with these ladies and hearing about, you know, their like extraordinary lives. You know, really kind of um, almost uh, like epics. You know, the way that they travelled around country working and um, the trials and tribulations. And yeah, so then. the idea was to paint them and kind of take charge and convey their beauty and brilliance um, with portraiture. And the works were curated alongside their works in the show, and the idea was, yeah, to also have these portraits um, sitting alongside their actual voices and to give um, that extra kind of insight into their work by, you know, these because le- we, we see all of this beautiful art, but it's also kind of like putting a name to, you know, a, a face to a name kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a really lovely way that both of um, these series of um, works that you shared kind of opens up a dialogue with the Australian, you know, canon of, of art. And I, I was just at Heidi the other day, and they're about to open a big Sydney Nolan Um, well, they wrote it yesterday and in the catalogue is an essay about the gari, um, the time he spent there. So Mia, I would love to hear your take or imagine if your works could be displayed alongside just to kind of really underline that conversation that needs to happen.
0: Yeah, I actually, um, I do love Sydney Nolan's work. I know it's not very cool to like, um, I guess white art. Um, no, no, I'm kidding. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's really important to actually be in dialogue with artists like Sidney Nolan and Russell Drysdale and Albert Tucker because it's a reason why it's so popular for so many Australians and um, just to reject that would just sort of isolate mm. an audience. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, my first exhibition that was last year uh, 2020. Yeah, last year, um, I yeah, it was the whole exhibition was ma- mainly about the native police and um, in the, Ned, the Ned Kelly series by Sidney Nolan. Um, I did sort of appropriations of his work because you know everyone knows the Ned Kelly story and sort of praises him as a I think sort of interesting how he's sort of like a hero, um, but you know. I wanted to, well, firstly, my ancestor, Wanamada, was one of the black trackers that helped catch Ned Kelly in Victoria. So that sort of was how I made that connection there. Um, But, yeah, I, yeah, was there a question, Zoe? No, (laughs) that
2: was definitely just an offering a response, so thank you. Yeah, Yeah, I think um, what I wanted to sort of, yeah, delve into with your work, Thea, was, again, that sort of, um, that opening up a space for different representations and power, like as you say, the the act of uh, one Aboriginal woman depicting another Aboriginal woman is, it's a quiet resistance and I think it's really important for that to be held at the same level as, you know, these other white artists where we've seen that before. Yeah, and I
3: think it's um, really important to address, like, these kind of ideas and, with how things are valued and, you know, it's a lot harder for a female artist to be, you know, to kind of get that master accolade or something like that and then it is literally informed by who writes the history and, like, and same in art, like, who, the, who are the art critics? Who are the people, you know, um, kind of behind the scenes giving
2: people platforms and stuff like that, so, yeah. Yeah, which is why it's pretty deadly that it's us three up here today. We've got the mic, which we love. Um, I, I wanted to sort of shift into um, maybe the behind the scenes of um, your practices and um, talk a little bit about restoration because that work, I suppose there's two elements that I see you know in the writing that I do. A lot of it is kind of uh, staking a claim, so the Clamation Act. and then uh, and then it, it is quiet. you know there are moments where I need to just recharge. And I wonder for both of you, um, what shape does restoration take for you as you kind of put a lot of yourselves, um, particularly for you, Mia, with um, looking at both sides of your heritage? Do you find you need rest and time to recharge?
0: Um, Yes, a nap every day in my studio, no. Um, uh, Yes, but I find that, before I was painting i had uh, I was so dissatisfied with my <clears throat> sort of lack of cultural connection so I think sort of being able to do this historical research and then express myself through painting is restorative in a way it's not it's not as uh, it's not as mentally taxing as you might think. I, I get a, I get a lot of sac- satisfaction from it and a lot of out of it.
2: Yeah, because I think that recovery is, is part of our charge or I know it certainly is for me that I find that reading language words, writing poems that incorporate them um, and then sharing that journey with readers is really exciting for me to kind of invite them on this process in on this process and I think it reflects how we operate as contemporary First Nations people. Yeah, Thea, do you have any reflections on that? Yeah, I think that um,
3: rest is a really important part of making art because it kind of, it's such a, to me it's kind of a process of distilling abstracts and so you do need that rest because it is quite a, like it can be um, a really taxing kind of process um but and I think that um going up to Alice is a really beautiful way of um, finding that restoration and and taking time and um being there you know you really does really help restore you yeah
2: yeah i think i I really value that um the contributions that you both make and I was um, really pleased to get the opportunity to speak more with you both about, um, yeah, that that resistance that is the kind of underpinning both of your work and um, the strength that there is as well in, in different ways, yeah. Um, so how, I'm just lingering on this point a little longer, how do you replenish your, um, if you do find that the work you're doing um, is taking a toll? What do you do to kind of um, draw inspiration or find, um, find a creative um, top up?
0: Well, for me, it's honestly just stopping work, (laughs) just taking a break because painting is such a lonely job. You're in your studio every day by yourself for like eight hours. So when you come out, you want to just... Well, for me at least, I want to just meet friends and family and socialise and do as many things as I can that's not me just sitting there thinking. (laughs) So, yeah, the only... I just... um, I find the best way to sort of just find inspiration or be able to sort of replenish your creative juices is just to I just completely stop working, I just ignore it. I'll just take a week off and do as yeah i won't I won't go to galleries, I won't read books about what I'm working on. I will just yeah, I need to just fully just switch it off because yeah, there's no like um, one way to get an idea so. I I feel like it's best not to look for it. I agree.
2: Sometimes the best um, inspiration is just walking and walking away from the desk or the studio. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. And, you when we chatted the other day, you were talking about um, just sort of, uh, well, you said it much better than I did, but the different types of country and how country can sort of you know, from the desert, from from Alice to the coastline of Sydney, and how they there's somehow some sort of thread that that links them, even though they seem completely different.
3: Yeah, well, um, that idea of um, um, interlinking came from. Um, a song that, because um, we've been working on the Ireland Women's Song Project and there's a public song and one of the lyrics roughly translates to I am a woman and I am shimmering and it's just such a beautiful, powerful lyric and it got me thinking about the idea of, you know, shimming, shimmering. It's like not just a beautiful thing but it also kind of connotes maybe like a spiritual power and the idea that it's tied to women was so beautiful but... For me also when I um then left and came back to Sydney, I was down um on the coast, and the water was shimmering, and it was this such a beautiful um, you know optical effect, but then it also kind of yeah it, it for me resonated with this idea that like yeah of a through line and that you know light is something that is you know omnipresent um, and it also kind of um for me reflected um, Aboriginal beliefs in like the dreaming, which is um, something that is outside of time or maybe like a kind of a stacked notion of time and it's omnipresent,
2: yeah. Yeah, that really stayed with me after that conversation and I guess that's a good dovetail into your latest exhibition, your first solo show in Sydney last year, which was titled Shimmer. Yeah, can you talk a bit about those works? Yeah, and so um, from
3: taking this idea of shimmer and and light and kind of power, I guess, um, it then made me realize, like, think more about, um, I was like more ana- analogous to a contemporary experience and my experience of, you know, growing up in it, like, um, away from Alice in Sydney and, and all that, like, dividing my time kind of thing. And um, and then I realised it had um, broader c- connotations to, to, you know, I'd been very interested in my family archives. And, you know, and the kind of essential thing for um, photography is light. And so it was, yeah, like, and so, and even paint is colour and light. And, um, but also this um, idea of, um, you know, the, it, like, it, as a beautiful assertion of the matriarchy. So, um, you know, a lot of the portraiture was about honouring, you know, my mum and my um, my auntie. And, yeah, so it was, it kind of, yeah, it, it was a very powerful concept that kind of, like, radiated into many things. And I think it also um, is something that kind of um, informs memory too as something immaterial, you know, that exists within us, yeah.
2: Yeah, I love that. It's a word that um, it's a pleasure to, to see it platformed in such a way because I think we don't, we just don't say it enough. Shimmer, it's great. Um, but I think, um, you know, you a thread that sort of is emerging um, from your last thought is uh, the making work off country and kind of being creatives, um, drawn to different cities, drawn to different locations and, um, you know, country is kind of like that. It's, well, it's part of us and we take it with us. But then um, as as Mia sort of hinted at, there's, um, you know, we, we don't always have those lived connections to country. And I just want to see if, Mia, you would share a little bit more about that and how you sort of find your practice dealing with that.
0: Yeah, so I, um, yeah, I was very confused about those feelings for a long time. And then my partner sent me this essay by this um, Russian-American author, Svetlana Boym. Um, who wrote a lot about nostalgia and she describes nostalgia as um, a longing for a home that no longer exists or never existed. Um, And that really, yeah, that really stuck with me, that (laughs) sentiment. Um, Because I, yeah, I grew up in Brisbane. um, uh, I've only been to Gari once. um, So it's strange, my most of my knowledge of these two cultures is um, I learnt through books, not through familial knowledge, um, which there's a there's definitely a bit of, I guess, shame around that. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to... I, I, there's not really like an end point with this learning. It's sort of ongoing um, and... I know sort of the most important thing I can do would just would be to simply go to these places. I don't know why I haven't spent more time on... Go, well, I don't have really have any family that lives on the island anymore. There's a massive resort <laughs> I could go to, um, which... Yeah, so, yeah, there's a lot of pain around that idea of um, returning home. And I guess that's where my... Um, I'm always sort of trying not to romanticise these homelands as well, Um, especially Burma because sort of life in Burma is incredibly hard Um, and family there, like, have a very different life to what I have had because my dad was able to um, immigrate here when he was a child. So, yeah, it's a very painful topic, the idea of wanting to return home, but, Yeah. I don't, I don't I don't really have a end
2: <laughs> No, thank you for sharing that and I think that's what makes your work so powerful is the honesty and the invitation for viewers to kind kind of join you on part of part of that journey because there is some some of it that will always be yours and and private and so it should
0: be. Yeah.
2: Yeah, would you like to Yeah, but and I think it's also like it's very
3: important to recognize contemporary Experience and that it is valid, and it 's also about acknowledging the colonial forces that you know you know like assimilation, all of these really very real um, you know things that like happen that mean that people you know that these things happen
0: yeah, yeah. 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 And, I, and I guess that kind of comes out in my <clears throat> some of my work where I sort of paint these ideas of homeland, but in a way uh, they're sort of mystical and Non-real, so it's sort of I'm hinting at the idea that I won't. Like, I I I acknowledge the fact that I these um it's not reality for me, and so that's, and I also paint landscapes that are quite <clears throat> um I guess disturbingly sort of uninhabitable, sort of because yeah I guess it's sort of like an abstract idea from my brain that I just sort of accepting that disconnection and sort of what that means Mm -hmm. for me and so so many people of diaspora and Indigenous people. Yeah, and I think that,
2: too, is another kind of embodiment of of the process of recovery. It's just simply is yours, and that is valid, as Thea said. Um, And I guess that, yeah, that's another thing I wanted to touch on, the kind of, um, you know, the... condition of being contemporary Aboriginal creative. And this is why I wanted to kind of emphasise that we do need rest and we do need to take time away from the practice uh, and the act of making because um, it is deeply personal and then there's often a public outcome and an expectation on what we do. So that's sort of why I wanted to underline that before. But I wonder if we can just talk a little more about that kind of... um, being in dialogue with the continuum of um, past present future contexts and um, maybe see how do you um, do you place the, the work that you do in kind of um, a continuum of all the legacies from your from your family or from your culture
3: um, in some ways um, I see my work uh, as a continuation of Um, the family tradition of just being storytellers and trying, you know, and just to basically try and bridge that gap and communicate to others.
2: Yeah, Yeah, and I think storytelling is part and parcel of what we do. Um, But also, you know, and also like um,
3: our culture as well, you know. Mm,
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I certainly... um, I've really begun to embrace that notion of being a storyteller rather than just sort of writing sad girl poems. Yeah. Mia, what about you? How does storytelling um I suppose we've sort of um you are telling the stories of your family. Um, but do you consider yourself a
0: storyteller through the painting? Mm. <laughs> Last year I had a really big art crisis when I was in lockdown <laughs> and I was painting in my laundry at night in Melbourne winter with um, a whole water bottle strapped into my apron and I was like, what is the point of any of this? Like, this is just, I'm just alone here. What is this? This doesn't mean anything. And then after lots of conversations <laughs> with my partner and mum and, yeah, family, oh, yeah, friends and housemates and family... I realised sort of, well, um, like before, sorry, before I go into that, yep, the, the reason why I thought what's the point of this is because um, I was just not seeing any, I wasn't feeling that my work could have any impact on sort of the issues that I was making um, art about. But um, then I just realised storytelling is sort of the, one of the most important things we can do. Um, not just to entertain, but to teach and learn and um, continue traditions and sort of make change when there is um, sort of violent colonial storytelling that makes real impacts. So, yeah, I think I am a storyteller. I
2: think think you are as well. I think we all are. I think also having that... um, Persistence and just kind of knowing that by simply opening our mouths that is, like it's valid and it's definitely contributing a verse. Yeah,
3: Yeah, and it's like, you know, conveying your unique experience as well. And it's a really subtle and beautiful way of, um, you know, like, and I guess we can, because you can reflect on the stories that have, like, really impacted you. It's a really subtle and beautiful kind of way of doing it, yeah.
2: Yes, I concur. Um, Well, I'm kind of reaching the end of my prepared questions. So if anyone in the audience would like to think of something, I just want to ask some kind of broader things to wrap our formal conversation up with. But there's a bit of time left for Q&A if anyone wants to think of something. But um, so are there any things that we haven't touched on with your practice that you sort of wanted to share? Anything you're cooking up for the rest of 2022 that we should be looking out for?
0: Well, I've decided to take um, a little bit break, <laughs> not from paint, not from making, but from showing. Um, from, I've got an exhibition in June, but then I'm not wanting to sort of book in anything for the last six months. Of that year, just because I've taken on too much in the past year and a half, um, and burnout is very real when you're just constantly painting to deadlines, and you just like I'm not even giving myself time to think about what I if I actually like any of the things I'm doing or if the ideas are meaningful. So yeah, I'm gonna just um, make and not exhibit for the last six months of 2022.
2: I think I forgot to mention that you both were recipients of the Brett Whiteley Travelling Scholarship? Scholarship. Scholarship, yeah, Um, which will entail... Sarah and I were chatting about it. Um, Sounds like it's going to be a great residency program.
0: Yeah, we go to um, Shark Valley. Kangaroo Valley, sorry, Kangaroo Valley um, in New South Wales in, like, a month, I think, for two weeks with three other artists and... Abdul Abdullah will come and hang out with us, and Ben Quilty, and I don't know who else. But yeah, it's going to be. We just, I think we we make a new body of work in that two weeks. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It sounds like
2: Survivor for
0: yeah, fine artists. Or the like yeah.
2: that. There may be cameras.
3: <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it, especially after lockdown, and because being in the studio is such a kind of solitary thing. Yeah, it would be, be really interesting to kind of yeah, spend time with our peers and, yeah, make them have some conversations and do all of that kind of stuff that we've missed. (laughs) Yeah,
2: Yeah, um, I think, well, the art fair has certainly been a great weekend of inspiration and connection, hasn't it? Yeah, totally.
3: Yeah, that's actually on that note too. I find that um, going to exhibitions is a great way of, like, um, and kind of seeing how other people are doing it is a great way of, like, getting that inspiration and energy but and also um, just with the six months my mum has a t- like a phrase that she always uses which is like um, what they do with fields is they keep them fallow so they don't grow anything on them for a, like a few years and then that allows the soil to kind of like be enriched again yeah. so yeah it's a That's thing. yeah <laughs>
2: Have a fallow period okay would anybody like to chime in with a question or our amazing panelists. Got a microphone? Sorry, Mid, this is this
1: one's for you. It's probably not on the theme, or maybe it is. Um, your technique, your um, imagery—the big hands, the big feet, the spiky—you
2: know—extensions. Anything you'd like to share with us about all of that?
0: Yeah. Well. Um, A few inspiration points. I was really inspired by the sort of the elongated figures of Russell Drysdale that he puts in his landscapes. Um, I originally started doing these figures, you know, with big bloated bellies and sort of, yeah, stretched necks just because I felt when I started painting when I was, I don't know, started doing those figures when I was maybe like, you know, 21, I felt very uncomfortable in my body and I was just wanting to find ways to sort of make a body look kind of freakish. Um, And now I think I do it just because I, yeah, I'm I'm leaning into the surrealism aesthetic and just sort of wanting to paint these sort of black and brown bodies and these landscapes or environments that sort of um, almost uh, hmm, just, I guess, look out of place or... Um, like this isn't how it should be, this isn't how <clears throat> sort of bodies should or people should exist in a space or country or environment. Um, and then that head thing that I've been doing recently, is like this sort of butterfly light thing, that sort of started, um, I was sort of painting, wanting to paint sort of spirits sort of floating around bodies and... Um, That was sort of like an extension of a a spirit sort of falling off a human. I know that's very vague and abstract and maybe doesn't make sense, but that's how I got to it. (laughs) Up at the back? Um, Who or what do you think are the most interesting things happening in contemporary art in Australia at the moment? apart from these two or? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, growing up in Brisbane, sort of the artists that have inspired me the most that are working today are all the sort of proper now artists, um, the very political Aboriginal artists like Richard Bell, Vernon Arkee, Judy Watson, um, Fiona Foley, uh, Dee Harding, on and on, so I think they're sort of, they were the sort of the first, you know, artists that I saw that made art that really connected to me, so I think, yeah, probably them. Thank you, my sister, Georgia.
3: I, there's just too many to say, isn't there? <laughs> there's just, um, I'd say f- for me, I'm super inspired by the what's happening um, in Central and Western, kind of desert painting, especially in the contemporary kind of sphere. Like, I think that there's just this fluency and constant innovation and, like, philosophy. I think it's just amazing, yeah.
2: Anyone else? Oh, over here. I might need it for the recording. Um. I was just going to ask you both. Obviously, you're young women. Your painting burnout is a real thing for you. Where do you um, do? You have a like a network of people that support you. Um, painting's quite isolating, and spending a lot of time in your studio is quite isolating. So, I was just going to ask you what your support networks are like, and whether there's a band of other artists that you hang out with, or whether it's a family connection thing that really gets you through.
3: Um, for me, it's definitely my family is my big um, support and, um, you know, and, like, even the kind of, like, you know, the extended family, which is my like kind of artists and friends and stuff like that. Um, yeah, because it is really important when you're um, kind of coming up with these in, uh, ideas and, like, distilling them to have people to kind of, like, bounce them off and talk about them. and But also... Um, if you are, yeah, having those crisis moments <laughs> that somebody be like, no, it's worth it, keep going, you know, like, because it does feel, uh, it can be quite mental, especially when you have to really, like, you know, put in, you know, do seven days and put in crazy hours. Um, but one thing I will say, though, is that um, I do also um, enjoy the solitary aspect sometimes because I feel like you need that super focused kind of space to get into that flow to be able to, make the work, yeah, too.
0: Yeah, I think definitely family. is. My whole family flew down for the art fair, which is very beautiful. Um, uh, yeah, family, friends. I used to think I was an introvert, but I... Um, now, I think after... I don't know, after lockdown, no, I just need to be around people all the time. <laughs> and so, yeah. Um, yeah, just like everyone. Your family, your friends. I mean, I... I find it hard, I don't have a lot of, um, I'm quite new to Melbourne, so I'm just starting to make sort of Melbourne art friends. I definitely, I find it hard to, I don't know how you feel, but I find it hard to talk about painting ideas with other painters because it's so non, it's, it's non-transferable, the idea. You can't really discuss it. Or you can, but not not really. <laughs> yeah, it's like being on a different planet kind of thing. But it's
3: still like, it's.
0: it can be interesting though, because like, oh, that's the, like, how that, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I want to definitely become closer with artists in Melbourne to sort of, yeah, feel that community as well.
2: Yeah, someone who also returned to Melbourne uh, in, during the pandemic. It has been hard to acclimatise and find your people, but certainly this weekend and spaces like this are a great way to do it. Any more from the floor? And what about you two? Any questions you wanted to throw at at each other? (laughs) Anything you've been sitting on?
0: How are you? I don't don't know. Also fine if not. (laughs) I feel we're going to spend two weeks together in like a month and we're going to have real like just. Something like school camp where you just go through all the things together
3: <laughs> yeah. we'll get back to you on that one
0: <laughs> yeah so we'll see you all back
2: here in approximately six weeks for <laughs> the part two I'm just kidding that has not been programmed do not come back but um, please join me in thanking Mia and Thea for their wonderful um, talk today
1: Yeah, watch this space. There might there might be a part two. Who knows? And a big thank you to Susie as well, as well as me and Thea for that wonderful conversation. Thank you very much. And that actually wraps up our untold stories here at the M Pavilion. Thank you so much to all of you for coming today and also to everyone that came to our talk earlier today as well as yesterday. I hope you've enjoyed it and uh, enjoy the rest of 2022. Make sure you go out and become social butterflies and intermingle again because, um, you know, even though there has been that big sea, as we all know, that's around, I think it's important to connect again and, and art is a wonderful way to do that. So I hope you enjoy the rest of your art afternoon thank
0: you you're listening to an m pavilion podcast conversations about design and the world we live in for more visit our archive at mpavilion.org and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts